This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning, everybody. Man, isn't it good to be back together? I am so excited to spend some time with you. How many of you got some sort of sickness over the last few weeks? Come on. Yes, yes, it's been horrible. But you know what? Now we all have like super immunity. So keep on hugging each other. You'll be fine. You know, it's like herd immunity. We're just going to get it done now early, early and often. That's how we come to church. That's how we get sick early and often. And then we're just done. So I'm glad you're back. I was sick. We went on vacation. You probably had one of these vacations. You go on vacation with grand hopes of, of fun and relaxing. Out of 13 of us who were together, nine of us were throwing up over a four-day period. And I was last, and I'm always last. And this is what that means when you're last if you're a parent. It means you clean up everybody else's vomit. And then when they're sick and can't take care of you, you get sick. It's just, ugh, it's horrible. But we're back now, and we didn't flood out. Like, this place in here didn't flood out. So you got to feel good about that. Yeah, that was exciting. Some of you put on on social media a little bit of rain, and the church is canceled. And I'll tell you, uh, yeah, yeah, because... Both of these roads all the way up to McDowell were like three and four feet of water. We had water coming up and it came all the way through the parking lot in through both of those berms. It was crazy, but it did not flood the building. Praise God for that. So we're back now, which is awesome. Hey, uh, if we have not met yet, my name is Kevin. If you're wondering why is he on stage, it's because I'm your lead pastor and I'm going to be preaching today, (laughs) like it or not. So go ahead Grab your programs, pull out your uh, Start Here card. You're going to be using that a little bit later today. Put your name on it. If you're a guest with us, your email address on it. It's simply a way for you to have access to our pastoral team and for us to connect with you. So go ahead and get that ready as the lights come on up. And you're going to want to grab your teaching notes. We'll be using those today. And I want to highlight two things before I jump into the message. Uh, Two things that I believe will help set up 2017 for success for you. Because I believe that each year as we journey with God, uh, we get to know him more, we can trust him more fully, and we can live with more freedom and more purpose and more joy in every area of our life, regardless of the circumstances that come. And so I want to talk about two quick things that I think will help set up 2017 to be one of your best years ever. And to talk about the first one, I want to show a quick video up on the screen. So take a look up on the screen. People of God started handling money God's ways. hard to get to the end of your life and have nothing to show for it. This is my family's legacy that I'm talking about here. I've got to have a plan and be focused. That knowledge that you pass down to your kids, that is how you change a family tree. You change your life when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And you have that moment where you say, I've had it! I'm not going to live like this anymore! number one fight that couples say they have traditionally is around money. Uh, The number one stressor that even most Christians talk about is money and retirement and what's going to happen when I get there. Listen, we're offering Financial Peace University as a way to help you set up 2017 for success. If you're single right now, college or a 20-something, 
take it, take it. It will help set you up in the long run. Those of us who have taken it and live in this model, we think, why didn't we do it sooner? If you are married and you and your spouse just have friction around finances, or even if you don't, but you're not really looking at finances, take this course. You will be so benefited from doing it. I talked to a couple and they said to me, uh, going through Financial Peace University and owning it was better than all the marriage counseling we've done in our entire marriage. This was the thing that really turned our marriage around. I talked to another gal uh, just last week before we canceled church. And she said, because I took Financial Peace University, I was, I'm able now to retire two years earlier and pay off my home two years earlier than I could at, before taking it. I mean, these are the kinds of stories that we hear, getting out of debt, finding freedom. God does not want you to live with the burden of slavery to debt. So please consider taking Financial Peace University. I think it will set you up well. If you want to take it, it's on the bottom of your card. Just mark Financial Peace University and our finance team will connect with you this week. That's starting up at the end of this month. So that's the first thing that I think will set many of us up for success as we partner with God this year. The second thing is this, and it comes with a story, and I want you to hear me out. I talked to a pastor about eight years ago when I first came on staff, and he was from a different church, and he said to me, Kevin, New Life is, is an interesting church. He said, if, if the rest of us serve wine or grape juice at communion, he said, New Life is like a church that serves margaritas at communion. That's you guys. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, you just do things differently than all the other churches do. And I couldn't tell if that was a compliment or a put down. So I choose to believe it was a compliment. Here's what he was saying. There is a foundational understanding that we have as a church about God, about partnership with God, and about the Bible. And that foundational understanding affects every single thing that we do as a church. So we talk, we teach through teaching series. That's because we understand something at our foundation. But let me tell you this. If you have a different foundation than I do up on the stage, you and I will be having the same teaching series and you'll hear it, but it will not take root in your life the way that it should. Not in your marriage, not in your finances, not in your vocation. See, if we don't understand the foundation of what it means to know God, to follow God, to understand God's word rightly— then all these other pieces that we do just will not make sense. And we'll find that we're spinning our wheels in life and spinning our wheels in relationships and never gaining traction. And so this spring, what I'm going to do on Wednesday nights is I'm inviting anyone who wants to, to come and join me. And we're going to talk through foundational understandings, deep understandings that lay the framework for who we are as a church and why we do everything. It's not like our intro class where we've said, this is why we act certain ways as a church. This is a deep understanding of God, a deep understanding of the Bible and how that impacts everything we do. And it's Wednesday nights. And I've got an FAQ sheet in your uh, programs. It's called Margaritas at Community because that came from this thing that this pastor said to me, which was, you guys are the church that serves margaritas at communion. I found that extremely uh, funny, engaging, you know, kind of me. Like, I really liked that. I've heard some feedback (laughs) that not everyone agrees. Not everyone agrees with that. Uh, And that is okay. Here's what I've heard from people who care deeply about our recovery community. You said, hey, margaritas, a communion. I don't know. It kind of walks a line there. I, I don't know if that's very sensitive to our recovery community. You know what? I can hear that. I can hear that. And I apologize genuinely to, to anyone who that was offensive. Some of us are like, you know what, Kevin? I, I'm just, I have a little more traditional thing. Like when you talk about communion, you shouldn't like make that connection. I can hear that too. Okay. And so I want to encourage you, call it whatever you want. Okay. Um, some people are calling it Mac, which is short for uh, that that thing that shall not be named. Um, but 
I'm sorry if I have caused like some scuttlebutt in your life groups or some like, I was going to talk about this last week, but then we weren't together. So now we've had a couple weeks to like, like Kevin, he's a heretic. Ah. So uh, listen, call it, you know, if you like this title, call it Deep Discipleship with Rev Kev. That's fine. You know, like if you're, call it, call it hump day discipleship, call it whatever you want. Okay. Call it what you want. But, but is that, no, I apologize for calling it that. Okay, we're, we're, dig, we're, we're, we're pressing into what it means to really follow God together. And um, on your FAQ sheet, I just, well, we had to talk about it, guys, because I know I kind of ticked some of you off, and I just wanted to talk about it, okay? Because we're a community. This is what we do. We, well, we bear with one another, forgive one another, love one another, um, you know, laugh with one another. I think that's in there. It's in my translation. Um, so it's going to be good. Your FAQ sheet will tell you how to sign up for this, but just a quick note, it'll be on your, uh, on your Connect cards next week. You can start getting involved in that. Lots of information in there. Um, they happen to be green. That's not for limes. Don't worry. For, it just happened to be green, so I know where your minds were going. We won't be serving margaritas, not even virgin margaritas, okay? Uh, just chips and salsa, and it'll be wonderful. All right. Let's dive in. How many of you, transitionally speaking, how many of you have ever forgotten something? Yeah, you're like, I can't remember. <laughs> a birthday, you forgot your, your kid's birthday, your spouse's birthday, your birthday. Some of us are like, I love forgetting my birthday. The, you know, once I keep having these anniversaries of my 40th and 50th birthday, I don't want to keep remembering a birthday, an anniversary, a, a holiday. Maybe you showed up for work and they're like, no, the offices are closed. It's Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And you're like, oh, I forgot about the holiday. Um, maybe you had a brilliant idea. You woke up one night in the middle of the night, like, oh my gosh, this will revolutionize my office. Uh, I've had that. I, honestly, I have forgotten the most brilliant sermons that would have changed your life. I wake up in the middle of the night. It's like, yes, yes, that's it. Like, bright light shining. I got it. God, I'm never going to forget. I wake up in the morning, gone, gone. Can't remember. They were good sermons. You'll never hear them. <laughs> we forget things. For those of you who are thinking, I don't forget things. I don't forget things. I'm going I'm to ask you to out loud on the count of three, say something for me. So on the count of three, tell me what my key passage was on Christmas Eve. One, two, three. Right, right. <laughs> My wife, she nailed it. Yeah, well done, Maria. Thank you. I feel a little better. Listen, it doesn't hurt my feelings that you guys can't remember what I talked about. Uh, I can hardly remember what I say half the time. It's not that we're bad. We are not bad people. We just get busy. Life gets busy, and we forget. We forget from time to time. We're in a series right now called Can You Hear Me Now? All about hearing from God. And Ron laid out a beautiful vision a few weeks ago, I hope you remember, about the fact that God is a God who speaks to us. God listens and speaks. God is like a loving heavenly father. And and there is no great father who does not listen to their children and speak to their children. God speaks to us regularly. God wants to infuse um, his, his voice into our lives on a regular basis. But it does no good if God speaks to us and we forget which is why over and over again in the Bible, because this is not a new phenomenon, God tells his people, remember, remember, remember. 
don't forget. He knows the tendency of humans is that we tend to forget, not because we're bad, but because life gets busy, we get going, things get lost. And what I want to do today is talk about one of my favorite remember stories in the Old Testament of the Bible. And I taught on this story a few years ago, but most of you have forgotten. And so I'm going to talk about it again because I love this story. And it's applicable for us coming out of last week. The story goes something like this. There's this nation called the nation of Israel. They are around three and a half to five million people at this point. They're huge. They'd been in slavery for 40 years, and slavery, uh, among other things, it was a, a horrible thing for them, but there was one benefit. It was like an incubator for them to become a nation. They grew in this where they were this unique people uh, that God partnered with, and God freed them from slavery led them into the wilderness, planned to give them a land that he called the promised land. It's this wonderful land flowing with milk and honey, or if you're like me, I like to think about it like this, flowing with super burritos, carne asada, delicious, so good. Whatever your delicious thing is. For them, it was milk and honey. For me, it's super burritos. For you, it could be pizza or anything else. He says, I'm going to give you this land, but they did not trust God. So he said, I'm going to wait for a whole generation to die off. 40 years, and then I'm going to lead the next generation into the promised land. Don't forget, I will be taking you, just not now. So the generation dies off. A new leader raises up. His name is Joshua, and God says to Joshua, lead the people to the edge of the Jordan River. And the Jordan River was this river that separated the people in the wilderness from the land that God was promising them. And they had to get from here to there. He says, I'm going to lead your people into the promised land tomorrow. So spread the word. Can you imagine the phone tree starting? Three and a half to five million people were crossing over, were crossing over, were crossing over. The problem was the Jordan River was at flood stage. So it's about a mile wide. It's got class four rapids, which are the largest raftable rapids you can do. Not only do we have millions of people with their kids, but we've got all of their livestock, we've got all of their possessions, and they have to get from here way over there. And the question is, how will we get across? It was intense. You know what else was intense? The Israelites were in tents. And while they're in their tents that night, getting ready to go over to the river, they're in tents that night, and all of a sudden their smartphones start going up. River at flood stage. River at flood stage. Do not cross the river. No one goes across. You will die. We will all perish. And they come out the next day. And this is the story. God says to Joshua, Joshua, tell the priests, go to the edge of the water and put your foot in. And when you put your foot in, the waters will part. He says, take a step of faith. And then God will show up with his faithfulness. And some of us this year in 2017, we're about to take a step of faith in some area of your life. And we're saying, God, show your faithfulness first. Show your faithfulness first. And God's saying, take a step of faith and I will show up with my faithfulness. Can I get an amen? Amen. It's been a long time since I've been preaching, so you got to help me if I'm going on the right track here. And so the Israelites, they go and the priests, everyone's behind them. The priests, they walk up and they put their foot in and the water parts. And they walk across this river at flood stage. They didn't cancel church. They just parted the waters. They must have been Pentecostal. And 
and they walk across on dry land with their animals and their carts and their children. And here's where we're going to pick up the story. In Joshua chapter 4, verse 1, when all the nation had finished crossing the Jordan River on dry land, the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, take for yourselves 12 men from the people, one from each tribe. There were 12 tribes that made up this nation. Take one man from each tribe and command them saying, oh, I'm sorry, and take them back into the middle of the Jordan. So they've crossed over. The priests are still standing there keeping things dry. Take these 12 men back into the middle of the Jordan, the place where the priest's feet are standing firm on dry ground. Carry them over with you, grab some rocks, take them with you, and lay them down at the lodging place where you'll lodge for tonight. So they do. These 12 guys go back into the river. They grab large river rocks, soft, smooth, have been, have been worn over by this river that's at flood stage, soft river rocks. And they, they pick these river rocks up, they take them to the place where they're going to lodge for the night. And we're going to skip down to verse 20, but you can read the whole story in Joshua chapter 4. Those 12 stones which they'd taken up from the Jordan, Joshua set at Gilgal. He said to the sons of Israel, so he's talking to the nation now, when your children ask their fathers in the times to come, saying, what are these stones? Why would they ask that question? Because they forgot. So when your children and your children's children ask, why are these smooth stones sitting here, this four-foot-high mound of river rock? Why is it just sitting here on the side of the road? Then say to your children, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry grounds. For the Lord your God dried up the waters from the Jordan before you until all of you had crossed it, just as the Lord your God had done with the Red Sea, when he dried it up before us until we had crossed, so that all the people of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, and so that you may fear God or revere God forever. So Joshua takes these, these 12 smooth stones— Big stones. We're thinking, like, think World Strongman competition. Remember the guys with the big bellies lifting these stones up? He takes these big stones and he plops them down at Gilgal. The idea is that the Jordan River is a main water supplier for this whole region. So people are going to be coming to the Jordan to get water, to, to route their animals and their livestock. It's a main thoroughfare. People are going to come by, and they're going to look, and they're going to see these 12 stones mound about four feet high, just this big thing of stones, and say, why are there river rocks that should be in the river on the side of the river? How did that get here? And you'll say to your kids, you know how that got here? Because God, don't you remember? God, God brought us across the river. God parted the Red Sea. Do not forget. Do not forget forget. So Joshua, being a wise leader, listening to God, he says, I must do something to help the people remember. Because we're not bad people. They're not bad people. But they're going to get busy when they get in the promised land. They're going to start setting up homes. They're going to start setting up shop. They're going to they're start raising their families and their livestock. They're going to have communities and business. They're not bad, but life's going to get going, and they're just going to forget what God has done. So make the stones so that they remember. Now you and I hear the story and we think, how could they forget? God parted a river at flood stage. Like if he would have parted 
Rand Street with two feet of water, we'd be like, it's a miracle. Hold back the drainage and the disease. But God parted a river at flood stage, and we think, no, we would never forget. But the truth is, we do, don't we? We do. Not because we're bad, but we're forgetful. And forgetful people forget unless they make monuments to God's faithfulness. See, this is a monument. And throughout the Old Testament, we see people making monuments or altars to God's faithfulness. They don't worship the monument. They don't worship the altar. They worship the God who did something in that place. If you read through the Old Testament, you'll see over and over again, God shows up to someone and speaks to them, and God builds an altar, or, builds, or the guy builds an altar or a monument, and he says, this is the place where God spoke. Why? So that they would not forget. For our time today, I want to talk about some monumental benefits, benefits to monuments, and some monumental ideas. How do we create monuments so we don't forget? Because the truth is, God speaks to us. If you're here today and you're a Jesus follower, I can tell you with 100% certainty, God has spoken to you. Guaranteed. And I'll tell you how in a minute. But I guarantee he's spoken. And if you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, God's never spoken to me like he did to Pastor Ron, you're mistaken. You just forgot. You just forgot. That's okay. It doesn't make you bad. It just makes you human. So let's talk about some benefits to building monuments. The first is that this, monuments help us remember God's faithfulness in our past so that we can trust him with our future. God knew that things were going to get tough in the promised land for the Israelites. They were going to come up against some big enemies, some enemies so big that they would say, we look like grasshoppers in their sight. God needed his people to know when things got tough, that he had been faithful in their past and he would be faithful in their future. Some of us this year need to remember God's faithfulness in our past because things might get tough in our future. When marriage gets tough, we need to know that it's God who called us to this marriage, that he was faithful in our past in this marriage and he will be faithful in our future as we walk it out with him. When we're wondering, should I go back to school? Should I continue my degree? I've got kids now and things are busy, or should I change careers? When we have these questions about the future, it's so helpful to know God's faithfulness in our past. Because if God was faithful in our past, then we can trust him to be faithful in our future. When we forget his faithfulness in our past, we're tempted to think God either doesn't care about me, or God is not powerful enough to take care of me, or God's just not real. But when we remember what he's done in the past, we can trust him with what he's going to do in the future, even when the future looks difficult. The second benefit of monuments is that monuments help us stay until God says, go. We live in a what's next culture. We get our, our smartphone, then Apple comes out with something new, and it's like, what's next? What's next? I need a new phone. Well, what's wrong with your old phone? Well, nothing except that it's not my new phone. Right? Like that one has a little bit better display, a little bit better screen. And all of you non-Apple people are like, well, yeah, every Apple phone is the best. Like, I get it, but you'll get there someday. What's next? What's next? 
It's all over the place. The next TV, what is Christmas? What is Christmas? Now, I, I, nothing bad. I love Christmas, but Christmas is all about, man, we got to make some room of this old junk we got last year at Christmas so we can get some new junk this year. Right? And then our kids are left playing with the boxes. They're like, this is the best box I ever got in my life. We're like, there was a present in that box. They're like, I don't care. What's next? What's next? What's next? It's funny in the small things, but how about the big things? Marriage gets tough, and we think, what's my next marriage? This marriage isn't working. What about the next one? Vocation. Our job gets tough. We think, maybe I shouldn't be in this job anymore. I want, what's next? What's next? What's next? Church. Church gets tough, or I become disillusioned, or the, the magic wears off. The honeymoon phase wears off. It's like, yeah, I liked him in the beginning, but I don't know if I can stay with him in the long run. And we think, what's next? Where's the next church? What's the best church? What's the greatest church? I can guarantee you there's better churches out there, guys. I can guarantee it. You know how I know? Because this church is the one you're in right now. <laughs> and so when I'm in right now, which means that it's not perfect. And every church over there looks a lot better than the one we're in right now until we get in the one over there. Then we're like, what's next? What's next? What's next? And, and the thing about monuments is that when God says stay, we can have contentment in a what's next world that's saying it's time to go. It's time to go. It's time to go. Uh, I've been married for 10 years, which by no means makes me an authority. It doesn't. But 10 years is a decent, it's a decent run, right? We're getting there. I can tell you, we've had, we've had our ups and they've been great. And we've had our downs where we've both thought, this is so hard. Why did we do this? And we remember the day that I was sitting up Robert's Road and praying about whether or not we should get married. And God said to me, she is for you. This is it. This is it. And I knew it. I knew it. And she knew it. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Our God is good. So when things get tough, and we're tempted to think there's probably something better out there, the truth is there probably is something better out there. But God said to stay here, because God called us here. And so we stay here. And I'm telling you, those of us who have been married for 10, 20, 30, 40 years say it's sweeter on the back end when we didn't get out partway through. I love... I love what Paul says to a church in Philippi. And it's not in your notes, but I just love this. He says, I am confident of this one fact, that God who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. That God who started the good work will finish the good work, even when things get tough. So stay in it. Stay in your faith. Stay in your marriage. Don't give up on your kids. Kids, don't give up on your parents. Listen, if you're here and you're a teenager, I know you know better than us. We know it. You're younger and smarter, and your education is just coming in. We're like, we're on the way out. Don't give up on us. Because someday you'll have kids, and they'll be smarter than you. So don't give up on us. Monumental moments help us to stay until God says go. I remember right after I said yes to moving into the lead pastor role, I got a call from a friend in a mega church in Arizona, multiple campuses, and I love college students, love college students. And he said, Kevin, I'm the executive pastor. I want you to come out and be our college pastor. We're talking the college ministry was like 2,000 people, the college ministry. Come out and be our, be our college pastor. I know you love college students. You seem gifted in that area. Listen, they, uh, yeah, we all know. 
I'm like at the maturity level of a, you know, we're good. They're my people. They're my people. They're my people. Because they're so mature. You know what I said to my friend? I said, I'll pray because that's what Christians do. We pray. But the truth is, I can, pro- I can tell you right now, God's already told me to stay at New Life. He's told me to be here. So when the allure of there comes in, bigger, better, newer, faster, skinnier, younger, it's really easy to say, no, God called me here. This is where you guys erupt into applause because you're so happy that I'm here. I know, I know. Yeah, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. You can be confident in this, that he who begun a good work in me will finish it out to completion. The third is this. I got to get to it, people. I got two weeks of sermons just crammed into me. Okay, I got to get faster. Monumental moments help us find our roots in a grander story. Did you notice what verse 23 said? Tell the next generation that God parted the Jordan River just like God parted the Red Sea 40 years before. That the miracle God did for this generation with the Jordan River is the miracle God did for the generation before. And it's not just a small story here, but this story here is rooted in a grander story of God's movement. When we remember what God did in your life, in your life, in my life, and we begin to share that story, it roots us into a grander story of God's movement. I'm telling you this. If we could just capture all the times God has spoken to us in this room, we would be blown away by the grand story of God's grace on this church. Blown away. In that vein, here's what we're going to do for the next three weeks. For the next three weeks, we're going to talk about three distinct ways that God chooses to speak to us. And then at the end of each of those weeks, I'm going to give you a chance on a little slip of paper to write down a time that God might have spoken to you through that particular vehicle. Then we're going to turn them in as we pass the baskets. We're going to turn them in. And then at the end of the series, somehow we're going to visually create something so that we can see the ways that God has spoken to this church. Because right now, you might be thinking, I don't know if God speaks. I kind of remember him saying something to me here, but could you imagine if we had 300 or 400 or 500 pieces of paper, notes that represented four or 500 times when God has spoken, when God has led. I'm thinking it might be here if you're wondering why I'm pointing in this direction. (laughs) It's a grand story that God is doing. And when we remember, when we build monuments, we remember that our story, your story, my story, is part of a grander vision of God. And it encourages us to move forwards. So how do we do it? How do we capture these? Am I saying we should all go up to the Russian River and pull out some stones and build them? No, no. What's your version, though, of a monument? I want to give some monumental ideas. Some ways that we could build monuments in our lives in the 21st century. The first is this. You could keep a notebook or a journal handy. Just write down any insights that you've learned from God. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be eloquent. It doesn't have to be flowery. It can be. It can be. But it can be just the facts. Read this passage. Feel like God's speaking to me. Had this person come to me and share this thing. It resonated with me deep down in here. I think God might be speaking to me. Just capture it. Just capture it. Make a task list on your phone. Capture it. And then once a month or once a quarter or once every six months or once a year, go back and look at it. Because we quickly forget. I guarantee if you wrote down 
the times you even thought God was speaking to you. And then at the end of the year, made it a habit to go back and look at that, you'd be so encouraged by a speaking God. Or how about this? Maybe grab something from the moment when you heard God speak. Grab something. I do this all the time. I grab little things. I remember, um, I've got a couple with me. Hearing God's invitation to become the lead pastor. This is, uh, this is something Pastor Ron made for me. It says, New Life Senior Leadership, passed from Ron Hunt to Kevin Finkbeiner, February 16th, 2014, 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 7. He passed the baton. Don't you love that? I keep this as a monument, as a reminder that God has brought me here. I love this. And that God wouldn't have brought me here if it wasn't for that guy in the back, Pastor Ron, who invited me into this journey. And I love that. Yeah, now we're clapping. About two months after I said yes to this church, I freaked out. I did. I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. God, what are you talking about? I can't do this. I went to the beach and I was, I was praying, God, you got to help me. I'm not going back. I can't do it. And God reminded me the words in Matthew 28. I am with you always, even to the end. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And then I saw this little rock at the beach, and I thought, that is a good reminder of the word from God. That was almost three years ago. I picked up this rock, and I keep it on my dresser drawers so that every morning I look at it when I get ready, and I think, God will never leave me will never forsake me. How many of us sometime last year or this year needed to remember God will never leave me, will never forsake me? I love that. I got this one. We went, uh, we saved up, we FPU'd that bad boy, uh, and for our 10-year anniversary, we went to Jamaica, my wife and I, and it was great for so many reasons. One of them was it was an all-inclusive adults only, uh, and we were at least 15 years younger than almost everyone else there. <laughs> they kept calling us newlyweds. I loved it. I loved it. And we're walking on the beach one day, and we walk by these little huts where they're selling things. And this lady says to me, come over here, come over here. My uncle makes these canes by hand, he says. My uncle makes these canes by hand, and I'll sell it to you for only $10. It's like a once in a while. I'm like, wow, she, one cane was out. I'm like, what a find. The only cane. So I'm like, for such a great find, I will give you $5. She's like, I couldn't, I couldn't part with it for less than 7 Done. I get my cane. I'm walking back like I'm the king of the world. I'm like, yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I, I get back, uh, I get back past and I see, I look in another little shack and there's another cane. And I'm like, huh, her uncle must be an entrepreneur. And he's going to these various shacks and selling his wares. What a guy. And then I get to the airport two days later. And at the gift shop, there's a whole thing full of these canes. And I'm like, her uncle must be rich. He has quartered the market on Jamaican handmade canes. So I keep this cane to remind me never to take myself too seriously. It doesn't have much to do with God, but it's a funny reminder every time I look at it. About the fact that I thought I was so smart. And... That's a good cane. That's a good cane. That's a good cane. But what if you just grab something? Just grab something. Grab a cane. Grab a stick. Grab a rock. If you're a a nature kind of person, that one's going to really speak to you. So make note of it. The third one is this. Um, Express yourself. Express yourself. That's 
Like that song, express yourself. Some of you are extremely creative. My wife is like that, super creative. She's got this like grown-up coloring book that she uses with her Bible. It's like you color and you, you draw things. And, and I'm like, what, huh? She loves it. She writes songs about times God speaks to her. Some of you are like that. You're creative. Use your creativity. God made you to be creative. How many times in the church have we said, these are spiritual practices, nothing else counts? Can I just tell you, if God made you creative, use it to glorify God. Use it to glorify God. Write songs. Do do slam poetry. Do creative writing. Do woodworking. Do something to remember when God spoke. Express yourself. Express yourself. I said, I can tell you with 99% certainty that God has spoken to you. Actually, I would say 100% certainty if you're a follower of Jesus. Here's how I know. Here's how I know. Because there was a day, you might have been, you might have been in fifth grade, you might have been 50, when you were sitting somewhere, a camp, a church, alone in your room with a Bible, and it clicked. This whole God thing clicked. This whole Jesus thing clicked. And you realized God is real. God is like a a father who loves me. Jesus is real. Not just a historical figure, but the savior of all mankind who gave his life for me, died on a cross, and rose again. It's real. And you gave your life over to God. You entered into a relationship with him. You experienced God's forgiveness. And you might say, well, the preacher was just preaching and something clicked. Or I was reading my Bible and it clicked. Or finally it all just came together. I'm telling you, no. The Holy Spirit was speaking to you. That's the only way we come to faith in God, is God's Spirit is chasing us down and then revealing God's God's self to us. And that moment when you said yes to God is the clear marker that God speaks because he spoke to you in that moment and he grabbed you. He grabbed you. And I've been praying this week and I'm praying now that there are some of you in here today that God grabs you. Not because of me, not because of the music. Those things are all just, these these are great. God uses all these things, but I'm telling you, if... If it clicks with you, it's because the Spirit of God is speaking right now. And if God's Spirit is speaking to you right now, it's time for you to respond to Him by giving your life over to God, by entering into a relationship with Him, by experiencing God's forgiveness of the weight of sin that you were never meant to carry on your own. And I'm going to give you a chance to commit yourself to Him right now, right now, through a time of prayer. So would you join me as we pray? God, I know you speak. You are a speaking God. You have spoken to us. I believe right now you are speaking to us. And this year we know that you will speak to us. Would you tune our ears to listen? And even in these weeks to come, God, would you give us clear ways that you speak so that we can know how to hear from you with certainty that we're hearing from you. And God, in this moment right now, would you help us to remember your faithfulness? God, in this moment right now, for some of my friends who were here who have never entered into a personal relationship with you, would you speak to them? Would you nudge them that you are real, that this is real? And friend, if that's you, I want to give you a chance to respond to God speaking to you in this moment by by entering into partnership and a relationship with God, by surrendering yourself to God and allowing God to move in your life. So if you're ready to do that, you can repeat the simple prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you love me, that you're revealing yourself to me, and that you gave your life on a cross to pay the penalty for my sin. 
and I want to have a relationship with you. So would you come into my life? God, would you forgive me of my sin? And would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? And would you guide me every step of this journey? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.